as we're getting into a lot of Elisha's stuff and uh, some of his chapters, you know, they cover so much stuff in each chapter. You know, you'd almost think, I mean, we'd have, I don't know, 100 chapters in the book if you divided it up into, you know, you'd have to stop after the, the lady gets her land restored and you'd have to stop again after uh, the king dies. And you know, so, so you'd have a bunch of chapters if I was writing. But so I've been asking God each week, um, God, what is, what, is, what is the central theme that's tying them together? Now, yes, I know chapters and verses were put in by man, but but I do believe Lord has lined stuff up in, in an order where it connects at some point. So the word this week, though, and Crystal told me my title was too long, so she just put those, those restoration or destruction. But, but, but it was this, restoration or destruction, sure, question mark, what are your opportunities leading to? Because when I read this chapter and, 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 and the central theme, I would say, that goes throughout this whole thing, is each section, each group is getting a lot of opportunities and they're just leading to different things because the people respond to opportunity different ways. And I think it's no different than us. You think about this past week or this past month or or the past year of your life or, or since the existence of COVID and how things have changed. What opportunities have come about in your life that may not have? Some of them you've claimed, some of them you haven't. Some of them you've used to, to bless yourself, your family, your future. Some of them you've allowed to lead to destruction. So the essential theme to me is, is everybody in each of these sections, even the kings at the very end, in the little history lesson we get trying to wrap up some of the stuff from the southern kingdom, with, which we hadn't looked at and I don't know how many chapters. But, but even that, like you, you've got to ask, like after all those years, every time, every time God inspired him to write so many years and so many years and so many years, how many opportunities did they have to do this? How many opportunities did they have to get back right? How many opportunities did they have that could have led to restoration, but instead led to destruction. And I just wonder sometimes with us, like how many opportunities are out there that maybe we're not claiming and we're not using to lead to restoration and instead we're allowing them to lead to destruction. Right? Yeah, I, we talk sometime at the shop and, and I figured out this week, so you know, we always talk about how, and, and this is just shop talk, this is just all of us, how blessed we are as, as Americans. You know, I mean, no doubt about it. And I'm not saying that is a, is a good or bad thing or anything like that. And everybody's got their own opinion. That's fine. Whatever. But, but you look at like some of the blessings we have versus some of the struggles other areas have. And you could say like it, it, we've asked before, you know, is this is this really what God what God wants? And, and I don't know that you could say this is exactly what God wants. But what I look at is, is that we have different types of struggles. You know, and, and I thought about this with something as simple as a stupid little lug nut this week. You know, any of you know, man, a lug nut, I mean, it's just that big, man. You know, it's just, 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 just tiny little thing. But that tiny little thing will make you want to chunk a pry bar and, 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 and just go insane sometimes because that tiny little thing can be so aggravating. And, and I just, <laughs> she shouldn't be the only one amen. Some of you men should have amen that, right? But, but, but you think about that. And I, and I just wonder sometimes, like, God has placed us. We know God's placed us everywhere and God knows everything and no doubt about it. And he's got a plan for everything. I believe it. And I wonder, like, if, if our struggles sometimes are just these these tiny little things like lug nuts that God's trying to use for opportunity to grow us. Because, see, that's the big difference. I would say that we don't get to grow to the same same levels or same degrees as some other places because our opportunities are different. Just like they don't get to grow to, to our level because of, of opportunities being different. Not that levels are up and down, but just, just different levels in our walk with God and our understanding. So I just wonder, like, how many little opportunities is God casting out in front of us all the time that we're supposed to be claiming for moments of restoration and growth and, and, and spiritual inspiration. And, and just, you know, if you really looked around all the time, don't you think everything around us, Mitch said it well Wednesday, man, and this is one. I hope you guys get it on Sundays. It's one of my big things I always try to do. when We go through God's word, like all this stuff here, you got a bunch of shepherds and, and all that kind of stuff. Cause they were shepherds. If they were mechanics, we'd have a book about a bunch of mechanics. We don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what they were is, is what we get a book about. So today, you know, in our current time period, do you look out wherever you're at, your job, your work, your family life, and see all the symbolism that God has just cast all around to relate to spiritual meanings? You know, I pick on Carl all the time about these animals that she loves and all that. That woman could look at a goat and come up with a spiritual lesson about it. She would have looked. I got a dead raccoon in front of my driveway because somebody hit it yesterday. You know, she would look at that dead raccoon and come up with some spiritual lesson that would have tied in with it. You know, you're in the country when you're getting sermons with dead raccoons as illustrations, right? Welcome to Give Ants, huh? 
So, so, so here's what I want you to be. I want you to listen to all this stuff again as we go back through it and just look at the opportunities and understand the difference. So this thing starts out, verse, eight, verse one from chapter eight. It starts out with a lady that we looked at way back in chapter four. Now, I know you guys already know, but for some people who maybe are just visiting and never heard this before, I know if you're here every week, you already know this. But back in chapter four, this lady, she's a wealthy lady. I mean, there's no doubt about it. She, she likes Elijah. She, she sees him coming and doing ministry and all these miracles. So she tells her husband, hey, we need to build him an apartment. We need to provide for him. And they do so. And they provide for him. And, and, and things just go well. And she's always feeding him. And she's, she's got his little table in his room. And then she's thought of everything. And everything's just great. And Elisha says, what can I do for you? And she says, absolutely nothing. Actually says, do you want me to go talk to the king for you? And she says, no, I don't even need that. That's how good this woman is, right? So, so sometimes, you know, we always talk about the wealthy being evil. Sometimes wealthy people can be okay, too. All right. So, and that, that's kind of where she's is. And we're getting this background about her. And, and we need to remember, like, she was a giver. She was somebody who saw a, a need and she wanted to reach out and, and meet that need. And in meeting that need, yeah, she's the lady who's also blessed with a son. But then she's also the lady who's blessed years later where a son dies. And then she's blessed with so much faith that she tells Elisha, I know you can handle this. So get your happy little self back up over there and solve this issue. And, 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 and it's funny that today she gets to meet the guy. If you remember, Elisha sent somebody, his little, his little partner, ahead, and, and that guy couldn't get it done. And so she's reminded of that. And, and here you have Elisha comes forth, and, and the son's restored, and, and all this stuff goes well. So, so you talk about this lady just having so much of, of, of testimonies like we shared at the beginning of, of service, right? She would have that. But then in verse 2, look at what it says. This same lady says, so the woman got ready. She did what the man of God said. He had told her in verse one, and we don't know a timeline here, okay? So I don't know if this is right now or if this is way back when. It doesn't really matter, right? But but we know Elisha's looked at her and said, hey, there's there's a famine coming. It's going to be really rough since you've done so well. Like you, you've been so obedient. You are you are such an awesome help to the ministry. I just want you to know. And and I, I wondered. I was like, man, why didn't he announce this to everybody? But then in reality, a famine like this would come because of what reason? Sin. This is this is part of God's judgment. So 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 he, he wasn't you could say not allowed to to tell it to everybody because some people needed to go through the famine. Right. But he tells us, he goes, there's a famine coming. You need to go away. So she's obedient. She does it. Could you imagine being this lady? Wealthy, got a house, got an apartment you built on top just because you wanted one. You know, don't don't even need the king's attention because you got it all going on. Like everything is great for her. And Elisha says, you got to go. Where's she got to go? Did you catch where she went? You can say she went to the land of the giants, right? She's got to go hang out with her enemies. She's got to go into enemy territory in order to survive what God's about to bring on her homeland. Some of you have been there now, all right? And and it says that she did it. She got ready and she did what the man of God had said. She and her household lived as a resident, as aliens, in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Now, we know the symbolism there, but but forget the symbolism for just a minute. Could you imagine living in enemy territory as an outcast (laughs) as shorter than everybody else, right, for seven years? And that's where she's at. And finally, think about this. Now, you got to put yourself put yourself in her shoes. Finally, and I don't know when her husband died, but we do know her husband's no longer there because of how the story goes. Right. So she's got her and she's got her son, a miracle baby. Right. And and that's it. And she gets to this part where at the end of seven years, she's allowed to come back home. Can you imagine the excitement? I mean, think about this. You've been living in enemy territory for seven years. Like you, whoa, you know, I'm going back. Like I'm getting, I'm getting this thing. It's going to be good. And you roll on back to the homeland. Except for it ain't your homeland no more. Says that she came back and everything that she owned was no longer hers. Now, we don't know exactly what happened. She could have left somebody in charge of it that didn't do a good job. Somebody else should have claimed it, most likely because of how the rest of the story pans out. A, a principle that was, was practiced is that the king would take a lot of territory during famines. He kind of prospered his wealth, you could say, uh, during that time period. And, and most likely that's what happens. So, so, so she gets there, and, and here's the very first thing that comes to my mind. And this isn't the big part of the lesson because we know restoration happens. We've already spilled the beans on that, right? But you have a woman who's obedient in everything, and yet she loses everything. And, and I just want us to be upfront and honest as church people, right? Like, you can be obedient and still lose it all. 
I don't want you coming thinking like, oh, because I came to church this morning, my day is going to be good. No, it's still going to be raining when you get outside. Like, as you come up in here, it ain't going to make the sunshine, right? Lord, if you want to make the sunshine, that would be cool, though. But it don't have to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's not a guarantee is what I want to make sure we grab a hold of. Your obedience is not a guarantee of easiness. Okay? This lady is perfectly obedient. She didn't ask questions. She didn't say, I don't like it. You know, she, you could imagine, since we don't know the exact age, you could imagine that kicking and screaming little Brad who probably didn't want to leave home and go hang out with the enemies and, and people that don't even speak the same language of and all that. He probably hated it. But mama said, no, this is what the man of God said. This is what we're going to do. And she did it. And yet she still lost everything. So here's the lesson. Being obedient doesn't always mean you're going to have the results you want. I get, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. I get really upset sometimes with believers who think like because they're believers, they get to have everything their way. You know what I'm saying? Like I get really upset with believers who think they can ask a question and get whatever answer they want. Like, I got news for you. Just because you asked a question don't mean you go get the answer you wanted, okay? Just because you think you deserve an answer don't mean you even go get an answer. Right? Like, like sometimes he's that kind of daddy. Right? And we just need to come to terms with that and be okay with that. Right? I just, I just We just got to be upfront and honest. Now, it ain't always going to be what we want, but, but it is going to be there. But here, here's the cool part. And I kind of hinted at it just just as we went on. God can hide you among your enemies until your disaster passes. Do we realize that's what God's plan was here? I mean, this is a cool plan, right? Like he's hiding her among her enemies until disaster goes away. She's gone to the Philistines. God's way of protecting her was to put her in enemy territory. And I say that because sometimes I think some of us wonder, like, why has God put me where he's got me? There's no way these are the people he wants me around. You teachers, I know y'all ask yourselves that about six months into the school year, maybe less. Right. Like, why has he got me right here? Right. So some of you believers, I'm, I'm serious, some believers in construction, believe, man, all, all kind of job fields where sometimes we're just surrounded by people who are not part of the kingdom. And we've got to come to terms with asking, like, why does God have me right here? He might be doing something special with you in enemy territory. Right. Everybody can't work at the tire shop. So, yeah. <laughs> she returns and she's shocked at all she's lost. But, but but here's another thing I had to write down. How often we fail to recognize all that the Lord has saved us from because our minds focus on all that we've lost. Who knows what she could have went through in those seven years? What She she could have lost her, her child again. Can you imagine? The only thing I can think of losing a child once is losing a child twice. Right? It, her husband may have died because of it. We don't know why. But what all could she have lost? She could have lost her own life. What all did God protect her from throughout those seven years that when she returns and she just sees what all she's lost, she's totally missed all that God saved her from? And how often we do the same thing, man? Huh? How often we do the same thing? We come home and we focus on all that's been lost rather than all that we got. We focus on all that's missing rather than all that, that that's really been right there for us the whole time. Right? We've got to open our eyes to start seeing stuff through a kingdom, kingdom goggles, I guess you could call it, right? Like put on some kingdom goggles and start seeing things through God's perspective. And I think it would make a big difference. That's her. All right, you, you could say it this way, and, you, and remember this, I guess. I use this so we can go into Psalms uh, 37. A heart, uh, the heart of giving that she had toward God is blessing her in the future. She's being blessed again. Because we know, we know the outcome of the story, right? Psalm 37, 18 says this. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. 19. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In times of famine, they will enjoy plenty. Did God not fulfill that exactly with this lady? Right? I mean, they're, they're in great times, but because she's a lady who's giving to God, she's going to reap return for, for this future, right? And then God gets her a hair appointment. Right? So, 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 so Sarah said, well, I had to get a hair appointment. It was, it was a, a divine appointment, right? At the hair salon. Well, I got one too. I had it this morning. Me and Mr. Peanut, we shaved the head and we were good to go, right? Here's where she's at, though. You can say it this way. This is better than the hair salon, right? God will cause an unexpected meeting to become a divine appointment. Now, what I mean by that for this lady is this. A woman in, the, in this time period, just, just, just being where we're at, right? A woman in this time period would never be allowed to go meet the king. Like, that would be unheard of. Like, there's no way they're going to let her roll up in there and have a conversation with the king. She could tell so-and-so, and so-and-so could tell so-and-so, and so-and-so would then get the message to the king. 
But this lady's not ever going to have the right to somehow get up to this king and be able to speak. So she's got a, so she's got an unexpected meeting. And I wonder how many unexpected meetings you're going to have this coming week. How many unexpected meetings you had last week that you didn't even know? How many, how many getting your hair did moments when God already had the person you needed to meet, like sitting in the, was she sitting in the chair right beside you? I just got to know. It don't even matter for nobody else, but it matters for me. So now an unexpected delay gave an unexpected meeting for a divine appointment. That was totally unplanned, but we made it work, girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was good. <laughs> but, well, hold on. I'm sharing the story. We'll come. Well, I'll just use you as a whole example today. You know what I'm saying? Like, you will just be in each of these points, right? Think about it, though, guys. Do, do we understand some of the unexpected meetings God can work miracles through? Look, look what happened. And here's what's so cool. This woman's generosity way back in, in chapter four. Now, I don't know how long ago chapter four. All I can tell you is it was at least seven years. Right. Like, I, I don't know any more than that. It could have been 10, could have been four. I don't, I, don't, I don't know and I don't care. Right. But her generosity toward God causes this, this setup of an appointment. She blesses Elijah, which which we know we looked at. She gets his miracle child, son dies and all this stuff. Here's what's awesome. though. And here's 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 what maybe you need to write down. Right. This woman knew God's restoration power. And because she knew the power, she could call on the power again. Some of you can't call on the power because you don't know the power. You know what I'm saying? So some, of, some of y'all, like, y'all hear some of these testimonies, and you're like, ooh, I got to give me some of that. Well, go get you some. Because once you get, like, just a little bit of it, it gets a whole lot easier to call on more of it. Right? Like, you she talk about John's book. John wouldn't have a book. He would just have a story if he stopped after one. But he got a whole book because he kept on going. Right. We got to open our eyes to see like opportunities are always around us that God is blessing. And if you've experienced that power, it ought to be so much easier for you to call on that power. Like it, it, bo- it just we just going to be all honest. Right. It bothers me when people have been in the church their whole lives and don't know how to call on the power of God. It bothers me because what that means is you've been sitting in that little seat your whole life and you've been a spectator and you've never been an experiencer. And you, this isn't this isn't a spectator sport. Right. So so if you've just come and you've just been watching and you think it's cool to hear about what everybody else is doing, but you ain't got your own hands dirty and you, you hadn't experienced some of the stuff, you're missing out. And the scary part is something's going to knock you between the eyes one day and you're not going to know how to respond because you've never experienced the power. That's the ones that scare me. It's the ones that have been in church their whole life, never experienced power. God, and then life hits them hard and they don't know how to respond. And it's because they haven't been filling up their tank with spiritual power. This lady knew spiritual power, right? She, she, she did something good for the man. She told her husband to build an apartment, right? She did it. She don't need nothing. I don't want no return. This ain't for me. This is, this is doing the work of the Lord. She gets a baby. There's, there's no, if you remember back in chapter four, there's no doubt, right, on what God's able to do on, on, on restoring that life. She don't miss a beat right here. Can you imagine this woman? Now, this is a good Southern woman, right? Like, y'all, y'all got a picture of this scene right here. Cause all I picture, she's been away for seven years. She comes back and her house is a wreck, her land, whatever happened. I don't know how it looks, right? Maybe it looks great and somebody else is just living in it. She don't walk up in there and ask them any questions. They don't say that. She don't say, what are you doing here? She don't say what happened. She turns right around, snatches little boy by his hand. You better picture it, right? Y'all seen them Southern women when they be snatching a little baby, right? All right. So she grabs that little baby's hand and they walk right back around. They just go straight down the middle of the city town hall. You got a picture of the lady as she makes this walk. Now, she's out there on farmland. Like, she's got nice area. They're wealthy, right? And she's just walking right down the middle of City Hall, right up to the king's palace. Let me in. I'm talking to him. And she, 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 boom. Like, it's all, you know what I'm saying? Like, she knew the power, so she knew who to go to. This famine is over. Seven years have ended. She's missing everything. But in her desperation, she goes, I know I got to go to the king. Now, you tie that in spiritually, right? And your desperation, who do you go to? Do you go to the king? Right? Some of y'all ain't getting the blessing you want to get and the healing you want to get and the restoration you want to get and the other things that you could be getting because you're going to the wrong source. She doesn't mess around and talk to anybody else. She don't even talk to the people who may have been staying in the house. She, she don't talk to like people as she's walking through the city hall. 
or city town limit, or I don't know why I keep saying city hall, but maybe she was walking through city hall too. I don't know. Like she, she don't stop and talk to any of them. She's just rolling straight to the king to figure this thing out, right? And she gets there, <laughs> and she tells him this. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. You got to get the picture of this part too. My bad. She's marched up. Now, now, what's going on? We got, we got six verses. Got a lot of pictures in it. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you gotta grab a hold of this thing. This would be like an hour long movie in six verses. So while she's snatching little boy up, doing her southern mama walk right on down tall back to the king, the king is sitting there with Gehazi having a conversation. The king is so intrigued about what God's done. He said, let me have a testimony praise time. Like he was starting service like we do, right? And he's asking this guy, you need to tell me about all this stuff that Elisha has done. And Gehazi, you know, he's just laying it down, man. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I saw this. I saw that. This is firsthand experience now, right? And he's rolling through it. And it just happens to be at a 36 plus miracles that we know Elisha did. It just happens to be talking about this one woman who had a baby raised from the dead at the exact moment. This woman standing on the front porch saying, let me talk to the king. (laughs) Now, I know some of y'all thinking that's a coincidence and quinky dinky and all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking that's divine appointment and awesomeness. You know what I'm saying? Like Gehazi is going and you can picture, man, he's got to be going to town on this thing, right? Like this baby had died and, and he sent the staff and the staff laid on the forehead and, and the other guy, he couldn't do nothing. And, and, and then Elijah come and they just went upstairs. And we don't know what happened until Elijah come back down. But when he come back down, the boy was with him. And then he told us, like, I just laid on him. And then he started sneezing on me seven times. But you, you got to go back to chapter four. And remember, like, that, that's what had happened. Right. And he's telling this story. And may, maybe they sitting on the may, and this make the story even better. Right. Like we don't know. So we're not wrong by saying this is what it was. So maybe Gazi and the king is sitting on the porch of the palace at the king's room. Y'all don't know it's wrong. So don't tell me. Right. They sitting up there and Gazi is telling this story. And he looks up and says, that woman right there is the woman I'm telling you about. So the king don't even he, like she don't have to talk to nobody because the king says, let that woman up right now. Maybe. I don't not saying. I just said we got some babies in this story, okay? And she makes it on up to the room. And she's standing there face to face with a king of a person she shouldn't be allowed to meet with. And the king says, Tell me if all this stuff that this sapsucker right here is telling me is true. And she says, Yeah, it is. And he is just blown away and astonished. I mean, he's now got the lady who actually had, I don't even know where I am in my notes. He's got the lady. <laughs> We're certainly not on this page, so let's just roll, right? He, he's just so amazed at what went on. Verse 5, I want to make sure I don't miss nothing. While he's telling her the king, all right, that's what we talked about. He's telling the king, restored life appeal. Uh, verse 6, when the king asked the woman, she told him the story. I, I wonder. I got a lot of wonder when I read scripture. I don't know if y'all wonder, but I wonder. I wonder, like, if he had told Gazi, like, you go sit over here and don't you open your mouth. I want to see if her story lines up with your story. If not, you did, right? He's a king. He could have did it, right? And her story lines up perfectly, right? And somewhere along that line, and we, we, we can just assume from that period until so the king appointed a court ruler, right? Somewhere along that line of the story, she probably said, yeah, Elijah did all that, and I was healed, and I was restored, and, and then I listened to Elijah and left for seven years, and when I come back home, you, Mr. Tax Collecting Government, King Official Politician, playing little fool, you done took my house and my land. And now I'm missing out on all the stuff I had before I left because I was obedient to the Lord. I done lost everything. You can picture it, right? You know them Southern women when they get cranked up, they get cranked up, right? So she's doing all this. And somewhere between all that period, the king then says, well, then I got an official who's going to come with you. There's no questions asked, right? There's no, well, let me see what I can do. How about I give you half? How about a fitty fitty? You know, how about we share this thing? No, it's restore all all is such a big word, right? All that was hers. She getting all the land back. She getting the house back. She even probably got Elijah's apartment still on top of the house, right? Like all of it's coming back, right? And you can think like, that's cool. She got what she wanted. But the king then's got this little comma. And, and I don't know much about uh, English. Where's Beth at? She's the English teacher. Is she here? But, right, Beth, you should have been here. You just got called out for not being in church, right? So, so you got... <laughs> You got this little comma right there, which means there's something else coming. 
I don't know English, but I know what, because I would use a lot of commas when I wrote papers. You know what I'm saying? You can tell her I said it, right? I, I, just don't shoot me while you got your gun over there, right? So I would use a lot of commas. Crystal would tell me, like, you can't just have one big, I said, no, baby, a comma means something else is coming. Like, I ain't done with the thought yet. She goes, no, you put a period, then you start another sentence. But in scripture, they use a comma. And it says, restore all that was hers, comma, because something else is coming, along with all, everybody say all, all the income from the field, from that day she left until now. Now, yeah, now you're getting it. There's a couple wounds, the rest of you going, I mean, uh, you're not going there, right? But do you understand, like, how awesome this is? She only asked for her house back. Because she got a little boy and they need, or I don't know, maybe he's a teenager, maybe he's a grown man. I don't know how old he is, right? But you always, I don't care how big they get, that's always like your little boy, right? Paxton tells me, Dad, you got to stop calling me baby. You're my baby. You're going to be my baby forever. If I need to downsize you to make you a baby, I will do that too, right? Like, it, it, it don't matter how big they get, they're your baby. So that's her baby. She wants to make sure he's got this house and this stuff left afterwards, right? And the king says, I'm not dare going to take something from somebody that the Lord has touched. Like the testimony and the power from what he's heard about her previous restoration wants him to be part of not only restoration, but restitution now. Right? Because restoration is when you give back somebody something that you had taken. Restitution is when you give them back what you took and you give them some money for the pain and the suffering they went through. Right? She's not getting only restoration. She's getting restitution. She's getting all the money back from the very day she left until now. And, and, and when you think about this, you say, well, it was due to her, right? No, because she wasn't paying the workers. So she's getting way more. Like this guy, this, this king is losing. Or whoever's losing, like somebody's been paying the workers to work the field. Somebody's been, been investing into that, that, that labor force, right? But no, she ain't got to pay that. She's getting it all. She's getting all the stuff that it came from, and this is awesome, man, right? I love it. God knows when and how to initiate your miracle. Huh? Story just happened to be going while this lady happened to get there. Is there moments in your life where God has had some divine intervention that maybe you haven't noticed? And if you have noticed, man, shouldn't you be bragging about it? Right? I mean, shouldn't we be going, go, just going crazy about it? God is at work to restore everything and everything, everything in her life that the enemies took her from. And maybe this is part of like the the biggest lesson right here. Maybe this this you need to to, to make sure you get because this applies like all of scripture. If you want to get what you've lost, you got to go back to what you left. Now that sounds kind of weird, right? But you got to think about that. Some of you thinking, "Oh no, I don't like that." No, because you don't want to go back to something you didn't like. I'm saying if you want to get what you lost. Like if you lost something, that means that it was valuable to you and you like, I'm not telling you to go back to your trash. You don't miss that. But if you miss what you've lost then you got to go back to what you had left. Look at the church as a whole. Have we not seen corruption taken to the church? Have we not seen a country, whatever your little beliefs are on the country and all that? Because, But have we not seen a decline in our spiritual walk as far as kingdom style walking in the world today? But you can say, if I, if I want to get back what we've lost, that's what we've lost. Then we got to go back. We got to get back to the groundwork, man. We got to get back to some foundation kind of stuff. Right. So some of you in your marriages and in your walk, you're like, I ain't really liking where we're at right now. Then you need to go back to where you were when you lost what you had. Right. You need to get back to reading your word. You need to get back to pray. You, you got time to watch TV. You got time to watch Netflix. You got time to, to go to this. You got time to do that. Then you better make some time for God. Right. And if it's your marriage we're talking about, then you make, better make some time for your spouse. Right. If you can't, you better get back to the basics. Right. If you want to get stuff back that you've lost. And that's so true. I mean, think about this. Here, here's my illustration with it. Right. The prodigal son. Think about all that he had when he was, you know, his daddy was rich. They don't need to lie about it. Right. He was rich. He had it all. He, he took all that. He spent it all. And he didn't even know. That he had lost something until the pain hit him. Right. Think about it. He's out there spending all this money. And one day he's, he's drinking and eating out of the pig crop. Right. And, and he says, the servants at my daddy's house eat better than I eat. He had to get to a broke situation to realize he had lost something, to realize he had left something. 
And, and what does he do? He goes back to what he left to get what he lost. Right? He goes on back. As soon as he turns around, what does, what does the verse tell us? Daddy went running down the road to him, right? You ever wonder, like, how long did daddy sit at the road looking? I, I, I picture, like, y'all know I, I, can, I can get an illustration, right? So I picture, like, daddy had him a rocking chair that sat at the end of the driveway every day. And, like, he went out there and he made everybody get to work. And then he just sat in his rocking chair drinking his coffee, watching down the road to see when his boy was coming back, right? He knew eventually he was going to have to come on back because that money was going to run out. And he was just waiting. And he was just waiting. And he was just waiting, and he knew when his son returned that someone was going to be in a broke situation. Do you not think Abba, our father, sometimes is just waiting for us to feel the pain of what we left and what we've lost so that we can realize we need to turn around and get back? Right? That's where it's at. The, The bad part is sometimes you don't even know you've left it until you've lost it. Right? Think about it. You don't even know you, you've, you've left a relationship emotionally until you've lost the relationship emotionally. That's a scary place. You don't even know. Think about Samson. I, I, I thought of him with this part. Poor Samson, when he woke up that last morning after being fooled by that woman a bunch of times, what a moron, right? But it couldn't have been that good. Ain't no way, right? But, but, but after all that being fooled over and over and over again, he still continued to, 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 to fall into the trap. And, and, and then... You're going to get it real. If you don't want it real, then, then we don't lock the doors. You're allowed to leave. Right? But, 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 but at the end, he still got into the situation when he woke up. He didn't even know it says. He did not know the presence of the Lord had left him until what? Until he got his butt beat for the very first time. Wow. Some of y'all ain't never experienced like that. You know, you imagine being like Samson up until that moment. He ain't never lost no fight. He uh, slap somebody one way and slap another one the other way. Pick up a jawbone and wear a thousand. You know what I'm saying? Like he's never lost. It's scary to be somebody who's never lost. You know, I, t- I talked about you church people who ain't never experienced miracle. That's scary. It's also scary for somebody who ain't never had to lose. And then to have left the presence of the Lord and not know it and wake up that one morning and lose. And lose bad. Right? That, that's where he was. He had to get to a moment of loss to realize that he had left something. Some of us have lost something and we need to get it back. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we, we need to get back to whatever we were when we had it. Man, I keep going back to however many weeks ago where we asked, like, when was the last time you had to fire inside of you? When, when was the last time like worship just took over your life? And I don't just mean music. I mean worship of the Lord, praising of the Lord, taking over your whole life. A whole moment, right? Right? Verse 6. I think I've read six, but it's still in the notes, so we're going to go there. The king asked, well, yeah, we did read it already, right? But but, but he sends this, this guy with her, and, and, and she restores everything, right? Here's where opportunity comes back. She had an opportunity to listen to Elijah at the beginning of this thing, and she did. And because of that, she's blessed. She doesn't have to go through the famine, right? Then she has to create, I like this, sometimes you've got to create your own opportunity. She creates her own opportunity by marching straight on down to the king's palace, and by going to the right source at the right time, God had lined up a divine appointment to get it done for her, right? God had paved the way for her opportunity. Both of her opportunities lead to great blessing. She received a blessing because she took the opportunity. Now, this guy, he's just astonished because of how this testimony is going, right? And he's just amazed at all this stuff that has happened. God ensures, here's what's awesome. God ensures that the enemy pays back with interest. Now, think about that. Because some of us, we we messed up for a long period of time and we're going to need some interest when we get paid back, right? But God can do that kind of thing, right? Look, look at what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10. Since this is a woman who served, and I don't think God ever forgot her because of Matthew chapter 10, 41 and 42, Jesus speaking, he says, anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Now, when you read that, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to receive a prophet so I can get the reward. Nope, because then you ain't doing it right. It says anyone who welcomes a prophet because he's a prophet, not because you get a reward. Right? So, so you got to make sure you got the right motives. Right? He'll get a reward. And anyone who welcomes a righteous person because he's righteous will will receive a righteous person's reward. Again, you got to do it for the right, right reason. And whoever gives just a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, 
because he is a disciple, I assure you, he will never lose his reward. Now, I know this is years after this lady, right? But you know Jesus got to be thinking about her just a little bit when he says this. Because of what happens, right? What blessings are we missing because we're not taking opportunities? Joel chapter 2 come up in my personal study this week. And it just fits so well. Verse 25, I'm going to start. I think it's up there. If not, read along. I will, Jesus is speaking. I'm going to go back to the beginning of it at the end here. But, but I will repay for you the years that the locusts have eaten. The great locust, the young locust, the other locust. <laughs> you know, there must have been a lot of yokus, but locust, by the way, yokus. There's some yokus too. There must have been a lot of yokus, locust, right? Because he, he's listening to this thing so much. And some of your translations got different types and different breeds and all that. I don't know if you call it a locust a breed, but whatever. He's listening to all, all the different types of locusts. And then at some point, he just says, and all the other locusts, right? I, I don't care which one. I'm just all of them came in and took a, and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat. Until you are full and you will praise the name of Yahweh, your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel and I am Yahweh, your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be ashamed. That's that's some verses, man. God talking about restoring and restoration. That's like restoration and restitution all together right there. Right. He's saying I'm going to restore every part of it. Right. When opportunity knocks at your door, are you going to ignore it or are you going to use it and be blessed? Which one's it going to be? Right? Now, I don't normally do this, but I got to do it for this section because I've been on this idea for like three weeks. So understand, I'm going to come back to here, but I'm really standing like right here, okay? Y'all got me? I'm going to fill in some missing dots and I'm going to play the what if game. Now, sometimes I'm scared to do this. Y'all be strong believers, okay? Understand me. This is a what if game. This is not written in stone. This is not in between the dots. This is the dot dot game of what ifs. All right. But it's a pretty cool game of what ifs if it works out. Right. So, so, so go with me here. Cause some of y'all, y'all don't relate to the lady. Y'all don't. The lady's been good her whole life. She's been wonderful. She got blessed. Right. You, just be honest. Right. You, that's what you're thinking. I thought it too. It's okay. Some of y'all relate with, 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 with Gazi here. Do y'all remember Gazi or just, just today? So we need a little background. All right. A little background Gazi. I can't believe you holy people forgot who he was. Right. There's hope for you, too, though, because there's hope for him. Right. So so Gehazi, he's, he's Elijah's servant. He's been helping out. But he's also the guy who went to Naaman when Naaman was leaving. And, and Elijah said, no, we're not going to take no money. And he said, oh, you know what? Elijah changed his mind. Let me get some of that silver you got. And Naaman doesn't change so much. He blesses him so much. He gives him more silver. He can tote back alone. So now you've got this guy walking back in with other corrupted people. Right. And, and he does all this stuff going right. He tries. Here's the lesson. He tries to he tried to get rich. In an immoral way. He's selfish. He's greedy. His heart was sinful. Right? All because of great disobedience. What does God do to him? Naaman was healed from leprosy. So this guy gets leprosy. Alright? You gotta follow this along. Again, this is a what if game. Right? So, so he gets this leprosy. What else does it say? Your, your family lineage will get leprosy. I know this is crazy, right? Because you got to look at Gehazi now. I, oh, by the way, I, I did a little research. He had like three sons. So him and three sons all got leprosy. So there's four guys with leprosy, right? Four guys with leprosy because they misbehave. What if he's no longer a leper and now he's serving the king? We're playing the what if game, right? You think, how you know he ain't a leper? Well, I know he's not. A, I don't think he's a leper. At least. There's, a, there's an alternative to this thing too, right? A leper is not allowed to serve the king. A leper's not even allowed to be in the presence of the king. A leper would have gotten in trouble simply for trying to be near the king. Okay? Alright? So if you feel like there's no hope for you, you feel like you're stuck in a situation, you feel like you a Gehazi, a little leper, right? Understand, there's some, there's some resti- re- restoration and restitution that can happen. You think, well, well, how did that happen? What changed the situation? Why is he no longer a leper? Call me crazy on this what if game, right? In chapter 7, there was four lepers who had to sit outside the city gate. Now, this is a what-if game. If you go out and tell all your friends, this is what Scripture says, I will punch you in the nose. (laughs) Straight up. It lines up, but it's not a guarantee. You understand that? I'm okay with it because it lines up awesome. It really does. But I don't want you thinking this is a guarantee. That's why I'm always scared to use what-ifs. All right? You got me? So these four guys sitting outside the city gate. You remember? 
They said, man, it's better for us to, to go over to the enemy than to sit here and die or to go in there and die. So they go over to the enemy and the leader of the four, which maybe you could say is dad, right? He finds the enemy's gone. We got all this stuff. And they start piling up all this stuff. And somewhere along the day, he goes, this is wrong. Selfishness, greed, my own desire is wrong. We need to go tell people about this. So if this is Ghazi and his three sons, not saying it 100% it is. Do you see the change that is taking place in this man's life? Do you not think God rewards change? Right? Think about it. So now he returns back. He, he's doing all this. Oh, by the way, in chapter 7, you might have forgot, the king's right-hand man, he got trampled at the city gate. So there's a job opening. Just saying. Just saying. I can't tell you this is what it is, but my goodness, if the Lord ain't lined up a lot of dots, right? Again, just, just saying. Just saying. It's okay. To, if this does nothing else, this will get you studying. And that's my main goal anyway, to be honest with y'all. I wish y'all just dive in and check stuff out, right? So there's a job opening. Well, maybe... Ghazi got the job, right? And maybe he got promoted. And maybe now not only is he back serving Elisha, but he's also serving the king now, right? He's forgiven. He's been blessed. Why? Because he saw an opportunity and he repented. Now, the only way this story is true is, is if the part of chapter seven is true. You understand what I'm saying? Like he couldn't be the king's right hand man if he wasn't the four guys that had went. And here's why. Because when they went, what happened? He said, this is so wrong for us. Selfish desire. Remember what he did with Naaman? Selfish desire. Selfish desire is wrong. He has repented of the exact thing that got him in trouble. Another situation arose that he could have even got away with, to be honest. That's the crazy part. Right? He could have got away with it this time. They could have sat right there and, enjoy, and just ate until they popped right? with all that stuff. But, but he didn't. So, so he's got repentance. And when you repent, I believe the Lord blesses. Okay? And, and that's what happens. Now, just for those of you who are saying that's not true, what else could be true? The other option is this. The king was so intrigued about all that Elisha had done. He didn't care about leprosy guy. And he said, please come and tell me all the stuff. Either way, pretty cool. Right. Because even if he is the leper, who I don't think he was. But even if he was that other option, right, where, 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 he, where he, had, he got called by the king, the king thought enough of the miracles and the power of God that he wanted to hear about that he said, bring that leper. I don't care. I want to hear about it. Right. So if you're the leper and you relate with this guy more than you related with the lady, start testifying about the power of God and see what can happen in your life. Right. Restitution, restoration. All right. All right. I got to move on to the next section. Man, I thought we'd end early today. I was going to start off telling y'all y'all didn't early. Doesn't matter. You're right. I like that. Y'all should start saying that, by the way. I'm not telling you why. But anyway, either way, opportunity equal blessing for both people. Right. The lady and Gehazi, they both had an opportunity. They both got blessed. Unfortunately, the title of the sermon was restoration or destruction. So we know somebody else gets an opportunity and doesn't take it, right? Look at 7 through 15 real quick. 7 through 15, the leaders of Syria, <laughs> I personally just like the very beginning. These are the guys, if you're reading seven, in the beginning of 7 or 8, no, the leaders of Syria who once tried to capture and kill Elisha are now calling on him for, for his opinion. Do you realize the enemy that once tried to capture and kill you will eventually realize the power of God through you if you stay who you're supposed to be and they'll start calling you for an opinion? My favorite is I've got I've got friends. They know my beliefs. I know their beliefs. And it's cool. Like we, I'm fine. Paul said it best, man. Their ways are weird to me. My ways are weird to them. And it's cool. But they will call me and they'll be like, hey, man, I know we differ on beliefs, but what do you think about this? And I got to laugh. I'm like, man, you're not going to like what I think about this. Why call and ask me? Right? Because I'm going to tell you like it is. And you're not going to be happy with the answer. And sometimes they'll tell me I didn't like that answer. And I'm like, I told you you won't go like, like, I'm not going to lie about it. Like, you're not going to like the answer. And sometimes they'll be like, I never thought about it that way. I'm like, well, maybe you should think a little more. All right? Let, let, let's get the thinking tank going. Because if you think more, what can happen? Right, man? So, so these guys who once wanted to kill Elijah, capture Elijah, they've heard about all the stuff Elijah's done. They respect him and welcome him so much. They want his opinion and his, his, his almost like his blessing on things. Right. And, he, and here's what happens. I, I wrote down this, by the way. This is kind of good. Right. How the Lord can turn our enemies around. I don't know if you guys remember. I can't remember what week it even was now because they're all just rolling together because it's all just it's good stuff to me. Right. I love it. 
I've never preached on King, so I'm really excited about the whole thing. But, 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 but I said a couple weeks ago, like, like true, uh, uh, I don't remember the right wording, but this was the idea. The idea was like, like true restoration is when your enemies become your friends. And that come from the, from the week where like the, the blind guys, y'all remember they had come in, got it, got it miraculously give a, give them a delusion and they got in there and then they sit down and they all eat together and they leave peacefully. And, and that's it, man. When your enemies become your friends, that's, that's like an ultimate, ultimate goal. So, so I put, oh, how the Lord can turn our enemies around yet again. Cause here are guys who are his enemy who are now want to call him back. So Benedad, he's sick. So, so, so he's sick. He's falling sick. He, he gets his right hand man. I'm going to try to say it like Carlos said. Would you say Hazael? Sounds good. I was going to call him Hazel the whole time, but that's like a girl's name, so it don't work. It's also because I had a dog in my office for the whole beginning of church named Hazel. But <laughs> anyway, Hazel is, 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 is like right-hand man. He tells me, he goes, man, I, I want you to go talk to Elijah. Because like whatever Elisha says is probably what, what's going to like. Can you imagine being an unbeliever and still like having the audacity to say like whatever he says is what it's going to be? I won't swallow my pride yet, but the reality is the guy's right. Right. So, so that's where he's at. And he does this and he gets there. We don't I don't I don't think Elijah took the, the gifts, but the scripture doesn't tell us. And I guess it really doesn't matter one way or the other. But he thought he could come bribe him and, and all that stuff. But he gets there and he, and he says, I need to know what's going to happen. And here's what verse 10 says. Look at verse 10. Oh, not chapter nine, verse 10, chapter eight, verse 10. Elisha told him, go to him. Uh, he's sure to recover. Then there's a period. Because there's another thought instead of a comma. But the Lord has shown me that he is going to die. It's like, man. I, I was wanting to know. You know what he was really asking. He's not really asking, is he, is he going to get away? He's asking if he's going to live. And Elisha looks at him and goes, he, he, he is going to recover from this disease. But he's also going to die. And then, <laughs> I love this next part because I got a picture of it, right? Then he stares at him. For who knows how long, because the verse don't tell us. But you got to wonder, how long did they look eye to eye before that little evil sapsucker said, what are you staring at me for? Right? Y'all ever been there? Y'all ever like had to just stare at your kid or your spouse to try to get their attention? You know, like, like this could be anybody, but maybe you've got guests staying at your house. <laughs> maybe you got guests staying at your house and you want to yell at your boy. But you can't yell at your boy because you're the pastor and those guests that are staying at your house may come to your church. Right? Just saying, maybe, maybe. Completely hypothetical situation right here. So you give him the look. And you've got to stare for a really long time because why he may be a gate straight A student, he ain't figured out what daddy's really trying to tell him. Right? I wasn't talking about me. I was talking about somebody else down the road. <laughs> but how long did he stare? How awkward did the moment get? Now, you know, you know, Elisha's a man of God. And if you've ever had to have one of those like man to man conversations with somebody who you knew was like in the wrong situation, like if you man up, you can stare pretty long. You know what I'm saying? Like see who flinches first, right? I, I think homeboy got scared so quick because he knew the evil intentions of his heart. I, I, I believe I really do. I really do. I don't know that, but I, I believe it just the evidence and. And how this guy reacts and what happens right afterwards. Right? So Elijah stares at him. And while Elijah's staring at him, though, he begins to cry. Now, you got to wonder as, 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 as he's sitting there, he's like, man, you just, you just told me the king was going to get well, but, but he's still going to die. Like, is this one? Why, why are you crying? What, what are you upset about? Have you ever, like, loved the things of God so much that you weeped because they weren't turning out the way God wanted them to turn out? Not because it wasn't the way you wanted it to turn out. Because it wasn't turning out the way God wanted it to turn out. Elisha is such a man of God. He's so spiritually in tune. He's weeping. And he's not weeping because it ain't what he wanted. He's weeping because this guy's about to do evil to the things that God loves, which is people. Right? Now, some of y'all want to be mighty men. Oh, I don't cry. I don't have emotion. Da, da, da. When you're in tune with the spirit. You get some emotion and you cry sometime. You know what I'm saying? Like you do because you and here's why it's not this little human thing or any of that. It's because when you're in tune with the spirit, you have to feel things the way God feels things. It's part of being connected with the father. Right. 
And when you feel things the way the father feels things, man, it hurts. And that's good or bad. Right? Good or bad. But in this case, it's, it's bad. And here's what he says, 12 through 13. He says, why, why are you, why are you weeping? Like, why are you staring at me? What, what's this awkward, awkward moment we have going on in this chapter? And 12 through 13 he says, because I know the evil that you're going to do to the children of Israel. I know the strongholds that you're going to set on fire. I know the young men that you're going to slay with the sword. I know the death and destruction of folly. I, I, I know that, that you're going to dash with the children. You're going to rip open their pregnant women. And, and this guy, I, I don't know if I'd have been able to respond right away, to be honest. But this guy don't miss a beat. What? What do you call me, like a dog? Like, well, I shouldn't do this. That's it. Like, he, he, just, he just jumps it right the other way. And, and here's what you've got. This whole, this whole idea of opportunity. You now got a guy with opportunity to change. But yet, right after this, he goes back home. He's sitting with Benadad. Benadad's still so sick he can't move. He takes this wet cloth, probably thicker than the normal wet cloth they would use, and he lays it on top of his head, his face, and he suffocates him. You just had the opportunity to turn around. It's like leaving church service and doing something evil, which I know none of you would ever do, right? But that's where he's at. I wonder with your reaction over there. Opportunity yet again not taken the right way. You could say this, man. No man is safe who permits sleeping passions to live within their soul. If you haven't dealt with issues from your past, I'm not talking about burying them. I'm talking about dealing with them. If you hadn't dealt with issues from your past, eventually they can wake up and overtake you. You know what I'm saying? All right. It's not enough to simply chain up these evil passions and hope they're never going to break loose. Right. The only safety is a cleansed heart. When I. Here's my corny dad moment, right? When I hear this guy say, what am I, a dog? All I can think of was like, who let the dogs out? You remember that old song? But but then it makes me think, like, what dogs have we chained up that have been trying to bust out to get to whatever we chained him up to get away from? We got we got we got a puppy. We we lock him up at, at well, I say puppy, he's a year old, but we still put him in his crate at night. He's great. But you better believe he'll chew up everything he could at nighttime. He don't chew during the day, but he chews at nighttime. Right? So I put him in the crate. You open that crate, guess what he wants to do? Find something, right? He's he's crazy, he's ready to get out. And I just wonder sometimes if we we've we've crated our dog inside and he's just waiting to get out for us to open the gate. And that's not healing, that's not restoration, that's not restitution, that's not a cleansed heart. That's burying something deep and hiding it and not dealing with it. And when you refuse to deal with an issue, eventually it's gonna break out and do this thing, right? Y'all ever heard what he's what he's essentially saying, in case y'all ain't caught it with the, the old Bible lingo right here. He's saying, I would never do that. You ever heard people say I would never do that? You ever heard people say I would never do that, then do that? Right? That, that, that's where it's at. We know far too many people that have said it and then did it. And it's because they never dealt with an issue. And later that issue got out. Let me ask you this. What, what do we do when we find out more than we want to know? That's essentially where this guy's at, right? He asked one question. He wants to know about this king, if he's going to survive this, this disease. But he finds out a lot more than he wanted to know. What do you do when you find out more than you wanted to know? What, 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 then you, what do you do with that extra information? Right? He should have took it as a warning. Opportunity knocking. Instead, he chooses to ignore it. He goes home, does the dirty deed, and then we know what would have happened. Or we know what happens afterwards because he's already prophesied about it, right? Opportunity was there. Instead of leading to blessing and restoration, restitution, it led to destruction and destruction and destruction and destruction. 16 through 24. It's been eight chapters on nothing but the northern kingdom. We go back to the south. And this is just more of like a history to wrap it up right here, right? The last time we were with the southern kingdom, uh, Jehoshaphat was king. Now his son Jehoram is king today. You can also read this in Second Chronicles chapter 21 through 11 to kind of fill in all the gaps that this little brief close-up section is doing. And here's what it says. The author kind of tells us, as a matter of fact, because what happens if you read Second Chronicles 21, that this is a sad commentary about a king who's bringing idolatry into a kingdom. More opportunity going the wrong way, right? The author tells us this in verse 18. 
He walked in, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel as the house Ahab had done. For he married a daughter of Ahab. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Who you marry matters. Seriously, who you marry matters. Young people, dating people, single adults, listen to me. Who you marry matters. Right? Look at the Second Chronicles 21.6. Kind of repeats the same idea. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel in the house of Ahab, and he, he married Ahab's daughter, became his wife, and he did what was evil in Yahweh's sight. It was so bad he had to record the exact same thing twice, right? What's crazy is when you when you look this thing up and you understand it, he had married a Athelia or however you say her name. You know, you know who, who this is, who influences him drastically. This is not Ahab's daughter. This is Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. If her mama's evil, she going to be evil. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you got to be careful about that. Y- y'all don't be looking at y'all spouses like that. that. That was really awkward as a pastor to see you guys. Like stare at each other's spouses when I said the mama's evil, she gonna be evil, right? Like, it, y'all took that the wrong way. <laughs> it's like ninety percent of the men was like, "Boy, did I mess it up, right?" <laughs> no, we got repentance and restoration that takes place in the house of God, right? She doesn't have to be like her mama, right? Let me throw that in there. Right? In chapter twenty-one, though, get back. In chapter twenty-one. To, 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 to save his throne, she really is as evil as her mama. She says, maybe you should kill your brother so that your throne's secure. And, and in Chronicles 21, he kills all his brothers. Just to, That's how evil, right? Just to make sure the throne is, is going to... And perhaps maybe when, when all this stuff goes down, I'm not saying people didn't have good intentions, but good intentions don't save you, right? Like, perhaps people thought by Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom getting together, like they would have influenced the other more positively... But unfortunately, what happened is the influence was the other way. And that's why good intentions don't always take you far, right? He's led into adultery. He's following their practices. Verse 19, it says this. Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for the sake of the servant David. What that verse is in there for is this telling us they had gotten so bad, God would have been justified to do this judgment. Yet he withheld it because of his faithfulness to David, their ancestor. That's how evil these guys have gotten. Look at 27. 27 says he walked in the ways of Ahab and did what was evil in the Lord's sight like Ahab, his father. He married into the house. He's united to the house. I, t- I told the couple yesterday and everybody who was there. I said, when you get married, you're not just marrying an individual. You're marrying a family. Now, you, you, you might think that family is the, the worst part, for better or worse, you know. But the reality is you're, you're united to some degree together. And, and, and this guy should have should have known that. Yet what he allows to happen is a bad influence to pollute him. And as you, you seek out a partner who's going to be a, a good parent with you, a, a good spiritual leader with you, a, a picker up for you, a, an encourager for you, a motivator for you, you better make sure you're seeking out the right one. Because marriages can be great and they can be wonderful. But marriages also have consequences. OK, and you got to choose wisely because you're tied to that person and their family and their history and all that kind of stuff to different levels and degrees. And we need to understand that because Scripture's got a lot of warnings about that. So, so what if, as we talk about all these years and all this history and all, all this this stuff that goes on, right? How many how many opportunities did these kings have that they could have got back right? How many times did they sit down and even look at even when they sat and looked at Elisha? How many times did they say, "Man, we could get back to what we had if we would return to what we lost," right? They, they had to know, like, we, we've lost the connection with God that we had. We've lost the protection that we had. And we could go back and get it if we would just go back to what we had lost. That connection with God, that, that, that moment, that spiritual connection that we had, right? Go back to, to Joel chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 12 and, and kind of fill in the gap of what we read a minute ago. It says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. That means even back then they were tearing garments for show and not for real. He says, I care more about you tearing your heart than I do about you tearing something on the outside for man to look at. I care about tears of the heart rather than I care about the tears on your cheek. You know what I'm saying? Like you can look all emotional, but until it's hit real in the heart, it ain't did nothing. 
Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. This, this is what real relationship with God and church is teaching right here, man. Right? Now, I'm not talking about like, oh, you, you turn and go to hell kind of thing. Not that that's not true. But, but what it's saying is, is I'm gracious and I'm compassionate and I care so much about you. I want you to have the opportunity to get right with me. I want you to get into this, this kingdom style living. Why? Because look, look at the end of verse 13. I'm slow to anger and I'm abounding in love. Now we're learning the traits of God. And he relents from sending calamity upon us. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Grain offering and a drink offering for, for Yahweh your God. Now we're talking about getting to the communion table with God. We're talking about sitting down and fellowshipping with the Lord. Right? Verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children. And somewhere along the verse, a couple verses later, it says, let the priest begin to preach. What's he saying? He's saying, you guys have gone far in the wrong direction for too long. But if you come back and you'll return to me, restoration and restitution and healing is all possible. And how you do it, what you gather everybody together, right? Get a holy assembly, uh, blow trumpets, make a bunch of noise. Right? I remember people used to be scared that drums was up in the church. Right, y'all got scared when the keyboard was in the church and, and set it a piano. You got you got scared when the guitar came on stage. He said, "Make a bunch of noise." You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we got to crank it up and make a bunch of noise to get what attention? Attention. They would they would blow that trumpet to declare everything, declare this holy fast, this sacred assembly, the gathering of the people, this assembly, the elders and the children. Don't ever leave your children out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I think. I, I, I think we, we, we mean well, but we do some harm sometimes when we leave our kids out of stuff. Scripture tells us, no, you gather them all together, the whole household. And then you let them priests just start preaching. I think that's verse 17, but I didn't write it down, right? And, and what are they going to be preaching? They're going to be preaching the word. Straight from the word, straight from the original things, right? How many opportunities did these rulers at the end of this chapter, did, did, did people in all of the book miss? How many times could they have brought their nation back and received a blessing instead of a curse? More importantly, forget them. That sounds harsh, but yeah, forget them. Theirs is over. More importantly, how many opportunities you going to miss? Because it's more important today about what you're going to get out of it than what they got out of it. It is. Well, what they got out of it is history. It's a lesson. It's over. It's now for you. And if you're not going to get nothing out of it, then you've missed it. So my brother, what, what's going to happen when opportunities come your way? How many opportunities are you going to miss? How many times have we been and seen the opportunity for restoration and turned it down and let it lead to destruction? I think in all honesty, we want what we've lost, but we're not willing to take the opportunity to go back and get where we were. You know what I'm saying? We want it, but we're not willing to pay the price. I think about it with a diet, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I used to have a six pack. Y'all don't know it. I can put on my wrestling singlet and you can see the abs do it. Them days is over though. But if I wanted to get it, I could go back to running. I could go back to eating right. I could kick Angie out my house so I didn't have home cooked meals. I could do a lot of sit-ups, but that ain't as much fun. That ain't as enjoyable. I'm not willing to pay the price. I wish I was. But the, the, I come to the honest reality of this. I'm just not willing to pay the price. Now, that's a physical illustration. What about spiritually? What about spiritually? I pray that every single one of us are willing to pay the price spiritually. We're willing to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed so that we can better ourselves, our family, and the next generation. And the next. What if they would have prepared? Notice how fast generation after generation this thing goes down. Maybe that's the whole point of the last part of chapter 8. I, I thought it was just opportunities for healing. Maybe the point of it is just like it just kept getting worse and worse because they kept stumbling and stumbling and leading them the wrong direction. And the problem is this. The older generation blames the younger generation. The younger generation blames the older generation. And as long as that crap keeps going on, we ain't never going to get healing from it. Somebody got to man up and make a difference on it. Somebody's got to say enough is enough. If it's the old generation, man, man up. We messed up. We didn't raise you right. We're going to fix it right now. Young generation, quit blaming them. You making your own calls now. Now it's time for us to man up and say, we're not going to let the next generation be that way. He ain't going to be that way because I'll knuckle sandwich him. Right? That's what you got to get. You got to be willing to pay the price. Now, what I mean by that is that means if you want that, if you desire that, it ain't going to come easy. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to get to do it the way you want it. You got to do it his way. You got to get back to some things. Let's pray. Ooh, God, thank you for this chapter. Thank you for your word, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for filling in the I thank you for filling in the gaps that I know was there before I started preaching, Lord. I thank you for taking over this service. And God, I pray right now you take over every child of yours in this room. Every servant, every Gazi, Lord God, that fell off, every every lady, Lord God, that, that needed restoration and restitution. God, I pray that you, you fill in that gap and let us know that if we seek the right source, the king, not a worldly king, but the king. Lord God, the possibilities are endless. The opportunities you set up, Lord God, for the blessings we can have are endless. And God, I pray at the same time, Lord God, if there's if there's some hazels in here, Lord God. If we connect on that level instead, Lord, then Lord, please let today be a warning. A warning that we take. So that we don't lead to destruction. God, light up our paths. Encourage our hearts. Make us strong, Lord God. Allow us to swallow our pride, Lord God, and do what it takes to get back what we've lost. Your great and holy name we pray, Lord. Amen.